Rati Krishna, Dana Kaili, Isabel, Jamuna Jaya, Krishna Premi, Lal Govinda, and Rajasundari, uh, Melissa, Rangarani, Sri Rupa, Sudama, Suri Radhika, Tata Gopinath, and Braja Devi. Haribo. <laughs> to make sure we have enough time for okay, reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Canto 10, cha chapter 23, text 9. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 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 Iti te bhagavat pacha, Krimvita upi shi shushravu, Shudasa buri karmano, Balisa bridhamanatna. The Brahmins heard this supplication from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Los Brahmins escucharon la suplica de la Suprema Personality Yet they refused to pay. Indeed, they were full of petty desires and entangled in elaborate rituals. They presuming, they, though presuming themselves advanced in Vedic learning, 
They were actually inexperienced fools. So I always like to begin with a kind of review. So think in your mind, what were the main, some of the main philosophical points? Because what I like about teaching the 10th canto is that it has the, thank you, it has the, it has the rasa to open your heart. And when the heart is open, it becomes very receptive to very deep philosophical points. So let's see if we can think of just a few of the main ones. One of the most important points is we have these cowherd boys. They're begging for some food. They ask Krishna, that you are the destroyer of the wicked, and the most wicked thing is hunger, because who can conquer hunger? So please give us some food. And therefore, they soar in the distance. Some Brahmins doing a sacrifice. You go there and you ask them for some food. Now, this particular pastime, who knows? I don't know. Who knows what the next story in Krishna book is? No, I remember. I would remember either of some of us. <laughs> the lifting of Govardhan Hill. Why are those two pastimes together? Because Krishna sees here these Brahmins with so many rituals. They know everything. And they have austerity. And they have celibacy. And they have learning. And they're peaceful. Tolerant. Self-controlled. Religious. They have knowledge. There are so many qualities. But they don't have bhakti. When you have real knowledge, it should be like fruits on a tree that bend the tree, that makes you more humble. But there's a nature of what's called our false ego. It's, it wants superiority. Either it feels it's superior, or it wants superiority, and it grabs anything, even good. You're learned, 
I am learning. Tú eres aprendido, yo soy So this story shows that if you're devoid of devotion, you cannot please Krishna. I'll tell a story because sometimes ordinary mundane stories kind of engages people before I get into the leader. Want to hear a story? Yeah. When Radnath Swami said that, he goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say, you want to hear a story? Okay. <laughs> I have no shock. <laughs> I have no shock. Okay, I'll tell you a story. I was just a young guy. I was 32 years old. And I became a sannyasi. And they give you a, 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 a religious rod. And it's so respected in India. So even though I was 32 years old, and I didn't know much, and I went preaching. To conquer all different philosophies. <laughs> and I went to this place, and there were these very high Brahmins. And one was the chancellor of the biggest university in India. And they were sitting at my feet. And then we were taking to And these people are so in the mode of goodness. When they eat, each of the preparations, they just, and they don't touch it with their hands. It's like pops in their mouths. And each preparation on their plate gets smaller and smaller. Until the plate becomes very clean. And I was new at this. <laughs> so my curtain was like soaking up the turmeric on my plate. <laughs> but I was the Maharaj. <laughs> they were sitting on my feet. So these Brahmins, they have really good qualities. But I had one quality. I was surrendered to Guru and Krishna. And that's the most important quality. Because that means humility. Humility begins when you accept that there's a that there's a, an opinion and a desire and an authority greater than your own. So even though I had the turmeric soaking up in my kurta and my plate was a mess and they were going, 
I had that young father. And they were proud. They are Brahmins. So I remember at the end of class, one Brahmin raised their hands. What about samskara, Swami? What about samskara? What samskara means is good impressions in your consciousness. And you like to be clean. And you, you know, you, you, you have all good qualities. And generally, when you're a Brahmana by birth, at least previously, there's some good karma. And the good karma, you were very beautiful. And you're in the mode of goodness. So he said, what about some stars, Father? What about some stars? Well, I didn't have many some stars. <laughs> you know what I said to him? You're talking about some scholar. But if you don't surrender to Krishna, you're going to get samsara. <laughs> samsara means rotating in the cycle of birth and death. <laughs> so I use my lack of samsara <laughs> to tell him what I thought. <laughs> so, but without the void of devotion, the void of devotion, you can't please Krishna. And therefore, what they're doing is they're doing all their rituals and all their mantras, but they lack the essential ingredient of humility, of accepting the authority of God. And therefore, all their rituals it's like it's like excavating the Himalayas to find a mouse. <laughs> There's so much work you have to do, and you get nothing <laughs> if you lack that essential quality. <clears throat> now it doesn't mean that these qualities are not important. That, oh, we, we just practice devotion and we don't have to be clean and we don't have to be tolerant and we don't have to be peaceful. But what we understand, and this is so important, everything is secondary to love of God. It's not that they don't have value. But they have value when you use them for the proper way. Otherwise, you can become proud. So this is actually the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. Austerity is important. In the Bhagavatam, it says, Tapo divyam but what is our austerity? 
It's not we're, we're sitting in the Himalayas for thousands of years. But despite the irrational impulses of the mind and senses, we follow the service of Krishna. And we do what's right. Even if it means taking the humble position. And I yesterday I, I referred to that quote by and I think we can repeat it again today. The process is simple. The application is difficult. Because the process means anyone can do bhakti. You can be a pure devotee right now doing everything you're doing if you just surrender to Krishna. But it's difficult because it takes a change of attitude or heart. And sometimes it's difficult to bow down. It's difficult to take the humble position. Just like today, I'm going to speak about at the initiation the ten offenses. And the first offense is sarunda. You should avoid criticism of devotees. If you avoid offenses, bhakti becomes very simple. But how difficult is it to avoid criticism of others? It's so difficult. I remember I was in I was in Govardhan once. And it was the last days of this sacred month. Where you perform these you it, it's called Bhishma Panchika. It's the last five days of this auspicious month. And you can perform, you, you supposedly get the benefit of the whole month if you can do some austerities those last months. So I was thinking to myself, I'm going to perform some real tapasya. <laughs> I'm going to chant so many rounds. I'm going to eat so little. <laughs> no sweets. <laughs> no fried things. <laughs> and walk around Govardhan Hill every day. And then I came to one of my friends. And I said, oh, what are you going to do for, for the Bhijma Panchika? He said, I'm not going to criticize And if I do criticize someone, this, this is an Indian thing. If you say something wrong, you grab your ears, bite your tongue, 
and pull your ears at the same time. So we were going to do this. It was so difficult. I didn't realize how much I criticized people until I tried to stop. But anyone can do it. The simplest person without an education who's not high level of intelligence can do Just humbly surrender to the truth and live my life that way. So these Brahmins lack that. And everything they did and the audience needs to be perked up. I can show people we're having an ecstatic time here. Um, okay. Can you show the people on the video? Jack from Jersey, just press the button there. <laughs> okay, no, you got to stop the stuff in the video. Oh, where is it? Okay. Okay, here's Jack from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> He's sliding down a waterfall. Okay. <laughs> okay. What is another important point from the story? Bueno, ¿cuál es otro punto importante en la historia? When the cowherd boys came, to give service, which is the purpose of the whole ritual. The whole purpose of the Vedas. If you've come to that point of humility, that I want to live my life by what is right or what is the will of the divine. I want to live by the absolute truth. Then, what does it say in the Shastra? And because of that feeling in your heart, the sincere desire to serve Krishna, and when you chant one mantra, in that mood, then simultaneously as you're chanting from your heart, the vibration is not produced by you. Krishna comes on your tongue. And if you can come to that point of a pure, surrendered heart, of full integrity, 
and I'm no longer trying to be the center of the world. I'm the service of I'm the servant of God in everyone. And I am consciousness. And I have reached perfection in love. And my hands are folded. And my consciousness is here. These hands that have been used selfishly are now for you. And you, and you see through your soul in a mood of service. If you can come to that point and you chant just one mantra, then the Shastra says, Aho Bhata Swapachito Bhriyan Yajiva Gre Bhartata Namatubya. Aho Bhata Oh, how wonderful. Oh, Aho Bhata Aho That even someone who born in the family of dog eaters, who doesn't have the high qualities of, of a Brahmin, even that person, if he's come to that point, the jiva gray, and there's in the jiva, in the tongue, there's one name. That person has bathed in every holy place. That person has read every Shastra. That person has performed every austerity. That's what this story wants to show. All these things may be important. All the qualities we want to cultivate. But it has a goal. And if you don't have that goal, then everything good you have will be taken to the ego. I am peaceful. I am tolerant. I am learned. I am green. But if you have that goal, you'll see every quality is coming from Krishna. Sarvasya chaham hidi sunny vishto matasmitir ganam aponam I am situated in your heart. And from me comes. Remembrance, forgetfulness, and knowledge. And what will happen if you become a devotee of Krishna and he's purified you and you have some pride and you think these qualities you have are yours, he'll take them away. And I've seen that. You know me. I have the gift of gab. <laughs> I love to talk. <laughs> but if I ever think that this is my power, I won't be able to talk. And it has happened to me. 
So this is what Krishna wants to show. Not that we don't cultivate good qualities. But we have the right objective. And Prabhupada gave a very beautiful analogy. He said, if you have many zeros, there's zeros. There's zeros. If you put one before it, it becomes a million. And what is that one? The right purpose and objective in life. And my goal in life that I'm a servant of God. And therefore, my hands are folded. What is illusion? Maya. Ma means this. No, Ma means not. And Ya means this. What is the illusion of the world? What is the illusion of the world? That because of ego, we see things as separate from God. And that's the illusion. And when you become a devotee of Krishna, you see God's energy as his energy. And meant for his service. And then you become free from illusion. And you see God. And you become ecstatic or thrilled at every moment. What is karma yoga? Karma yoga means we have our nature. We have our desires. We can't renounce them. One person likes to make money. One person likes to do art. One person likes to make films. One person likes to raise a family. There's so many desires. And where do they come from? They may not come from the soul. It's our karma. But how do you purify it? This is called karma yoga. You have a desire. And you give some of the fruits of that work to Krishna. And what happens when you do that? It purifies your vision because you start to see things as Krishna. Now I will tell a story. You jumped the gun, Jack. <laughs> we'll do it this way. Would you like to hear it? Okay, I'll tell the story. As the people watching this from around the world, we even have very, very nice life fathers from the Middle East. I don't even say their country because it is illegal to do this in their country. So 
Haribal, my my good friends from the Republic of <laughs> so well when I first came to Krishna consciousness I wasn't able to communicate my the philosophy and this is like 50 years ago and there wasn't a lot of media so my parents had no way of understanding and I had less ability to communicate it so when I joined the ashram they had me kidnapped by people that will try to deprogrammed I'm not telling the whole story here but it culminates me in my in being captured me escaping me being recaptured and my parents having to commit me to a mental institution. So the police bring me to the mental institution. And the, the job of the, the job of the psychiatrist is to determine if I'm crazy or not. So he interviews my parents who make the complaint. And then he interviews me. But before he interviews me, he thinks I'm crazy. Because I'm waiting in the lobby of the mental hospital with other people that are extremely crazy. They're strapped in, in uh, straight jackets. They're talking to the wall. And then there's me. <laughs> and to make a long story short, when I when my parents kidnapped me, I didn't have any regular clothes. <laughs> so I looked ridiculous. <laughs> I, the only pants I could have are those very baggy pants before they're in style. <laughs> a football jacket. <laughs> with the name of my school and a, a fez, a, 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 a hat that my father got from a, a Pakistani insurance <laughs> And what am I doing in the lobby of the mental hospital? I'm finishing my rounds. <laughs>
But when you don't have beads, how do you do it? You count them on your fingers. So I'm walking around with all these crazy people. As a young Hare Krishna, I'm really still fired up. Chanting like this. And he sees me. So he, he looks at me. And psychiatrist name had a fitting name. Dr. Cohn. And he looks at me. And he says, Are you hallucinating? Are you seeing things that are not there? And the day before I had read a purport in Prabhupada's Bhagavatam, that answered the question perfectly. And I repeated it word for word. And this is what I said. With that new devotee Krishna conscious confidence. <laughs> Although I'm not hallucinating, it can't be said I'm seeing the same thing as you. Just like a rose. If you're not a theist, you see the rose as separate from God and meant for your enjoyment. But if you are a theist, a devotee of God, you see it as God's energy and meant, and meant for God's service. And therefore, Although I am not hallucinating, I am not seeing the same thing as you. <laughs> and the psychiatrist went like this. <laughs> and then he said to me, That's very intelligent. I think your parents are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he let me go. <laughs> so these brahmanas, even though they had so much intelligence, they were in illusion. Because they were using all their qualities, even their religion, for the material purpose of being in the center of the world and controlling it and enjoying it, rather than service. And therefore, when these, these coward boys asked for some food for Krishna. Because of their desires. They could not see the truth. The one thing that prevents us from seeing reality 
more than anything else is selfishness or narcissistic nature. When you're selfish, you see the world according to your desires, not the way it is. And when you're humble, you see the world according to God's desires, and you see it the way it is. So these humble, coward ones, they said, this is auspicious. And the Brahmins couldn't even hear this. And therefore, although they thought themselves very experienced, Felicia, his children. So, so why did these Brahmins who are so learned and know the scriptures, why didn't they respect Krishna? Why did they respect God? By Daishtasarvaham Eva Vedyo Vedanta Veda Veda of all the Vedas I'm to be known. And the answer is going to be given here. They had this ignorance. And what's that ignorance? Although the ingredients of the sacrificial performance, the place, the time, the particular paraphernalia, the mantras, the rituals, the priests, the fire, the demigods, the, the, the performer of the sacrifice, the offering, are all simply aspects of God's And therefore, let me read for a second. They're all simply aspects of his opulence. And there, the Brahmins, they saw Krishna as an ordinary person. It's all for Krishna. But they saw Krishna as an ordinary person. Because they didn't see Krishna according to the Shastras. They saw them according to themselves. They didn't have the proper knowledge. And they therefore failed to recognize that the Supreme Personality of Godhead was before them. And thus, they did not show the proper respect. There's a very important philosophical term. It's called Sambandhigyan. Sambandhigyan really means metaphysical knowledge. 
but sambanda means relationship. Pero so what's what's the connection between metaphysical knowledge and the term relationship? Because if you're going to see reality, you have to understand the relationship between all the aspects of reality. And there are three aspects of reality. This is all that exists. There's matter. There's spirit. And there's the controller, God. And you have to understand the relationship between these things. Here's spirit. Here's matter. What's the relationship? Spirit is not matter. But if you think spirit is matter, or you think matter is the self, You'll think you're the controller, and you won't see who is. Then there's spirit and matter, a spirit and God. What's the relationship? Spirit is the servant of God. But if you think this, if you think spirit is God, if you think I am God, how will you understand you're a servant of God? Or how will you understand the nature of God? And then there's God and matter. If you think that God is matter, why will you worship God? So they did not have this kind of knowledge. Even if you're so learned, if you think that if Maya body are impersonal, you think that spirit is God. You think I am God, then you won't show the proper. How will you be a devotee? And therefore, they couldn't show respect to Krishna. You know, once I used to organize every year a conference of young scholars. Because I had these monks that I knew. One was Jack's friend. And they decided they no longer can be brahmacharis. <laughs> that they would have to now, they wanted to be professors. So there were about eight or ten of them. So I thought, what will I do with these young men. I'll make a conference for them. And when I make this conference for them, we can discuss all these different types of subjects. So one of them gave, and we have them each give presentations. And one gave a presentation that if you want to be a guru, 
You have to be a scholar. You have to know Sanskrit. You have to know all the different shastras. And he said you have to be a theologian. And then among the group, I invited to come the person who was Prabhupada's Sanskrit editor. And he's one of my close friends. So I invited him. And then when he heard that, he said, no, that's not the qualification. He said, the qualification of guru, he must have some bandhagat. It's not that he has to know all the verses in the Shastra. But he has to know clearly what's the difference between the soul and matter. He has to know he's not the body. He has to know the difference between the soul and God. That the soul is not God. And he has to know the difference between God and matter. That the form of Krishna is not. Just connecting the phone to charge. Just okay. charging the phone before it dies. It, because, it, because it's on low battery. Okay, do that. Yeah. How are we doing there? Good. Okay. And you have to know that. And what a person is deep in spiritual knowledge, he knows that very Where there may be someone who's very, very scholarly, but hasn't realized they're not the body. Has not realized that God is a person. So this distinction is being made here. That you have these Brahmins. That they know, they know so many mantras. They know all the Vedas. All the rituals. But they are not deep in Sambandhagyan. There's a spiritual intelligence, which is not just learning so many verses. And I always tell this story that I hold a retreat every year in Jagannath Puri. And this person calls me on the phone. And he happens to be the most learned scholar on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu practically in the world. And he was the chairman of the Sanskrit department in the biggest university in South India. Of the university. In, in South India. India. So I said, 
Prabhu, why don't you give class? He said, okay, I will give class. So I tell him that in my retreat are these people I invited that are from the Sanskrit school in Vrindavan who are very well known to me. So he looks at them and asks the question, who is Shastra Who knows the Shastra? And they're like, look at and then, in a very animated way, he says, one who practices Because it, it, it's the application of the knowledge that gives you the realization. And the application of the knowledge is not to learn more and more so that you can be better than people. It's to learn more and more so you can learn that you're not better than anyone, you're not better than everyone, or you're not better than anyone. Just like Amala Vaishnava has a PhD in Sanskrit. <laughs> no, but he likes to serve. That's more than MA PhD. You fold your hands like this. You bring bhakti in your heart. And bhakti is this Sanskrit pundit, that my friend. The one who is Prabhupada's editor, he gave me the best definition of bhakti. Bhakti is to make yourself available. The service. You want to know how advanced you are? Don't be like the Brahmins. If, if, it, if that voice of service comes to you from any person, from any place, see what you're about to do by how much you like to do it. Another Sanskrit pundit told me a good definition of bhakti. One who a liking to serve. You act not that you just do service. Not that you just surrender to service. But in your heart, you have that liking. And we'll see as the story goes on. When the cowherd boys come to the wives of the Brahmins, who don't have mantra, who don't have tantra, who don't have jam, these simple women immediately 
when the opportunity for service came, they went to Krishna like the river flowing to the sea. When the river flows to the sea, can anything stop it? Nothing can stop it. So one who has bhakti, he likes to serve. And they immediately went. And their husband said stop. And their parents said stop. And their friends, everyone said stop. You know what they said? They were very chaste ladies. Because they went in a group together. But when their husband stopped them, get out of my way, I'll kill you. <laughs> okay, I hope this is not like misunderstood. <laughs> okay. All right, it's we're doing that. We had we had the parish. We had translation. I had this other audience. Okay. Now we'll, we'll do the kirtan. Okay. Can I see them here? Yes. <laughs> Anybody like to say hello? Samarash. <laughs> Thank you for class. Thanks for bringing us to the retreat. Let me just see a few more people there. Good morning, Samarash. Thanks for class. Isabel. Como estas, señora? Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Hare Krishna Gumaraj, Totally Gopinath here. Thank you, Shori Rasha. Sarasa de Vedanta, 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 Saras